Marcus is in the green room. Janie's in the uh, incubator. Nadia's upstairs, occupying the entire space upstairs. And the cafe is just generally a really bouncy space. So unless I go into a closet somewhere. Oh, Adrian just accepted my request. Hello? Hello. Hi, I'm here. Hi, Franco. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Adrian. Well, should we just dive in then? We should just dive in. Uh, Franco, you, you uh, how how was City Hall? Um, it was <laughs> it was the license tribunal pre-hearing um, for our liquor license um, for the for the building. Right. So it's an ongoing issue for us. Right. Is it difficult to get liquor licenses in Toronto? Um, it's a process. <laughs> It's a process, like everything else, but not a creative process. Uh, No, unfortunately, (laughs) it's you've spent a lot of time in the past few years dealing with the city in a way that maybe when you decided to run a theater company or go into theater, you hadn't expected. No, not at all. I mean, I I feel like there was a. It's a strange experience I had just last week where I I went to yet another community consultation meeting uh, in regards to a condo development that's uh, being built on Sudbury Street. Um, The address is 99 Sudbury Street. And I don't know, Jacob, if you know the, the site. Do you know it's, do you know 99 Sudbury? Exactly. It's warehouse. It used to have Mildred Pierce used to be at the base of it. And um, and so they're, they've now have an application into the city um, to build a 26-story tower and a hotel at the, you know, uh, in the bottom, bottom floors and then residential up above. And what was interesting, I went to this meeting and I think for the first time in a community consultation meeting of this type, there were more than 50 people there. Hmm. And the and the reason there were there were so many people uh, was, can you hear that ringing? Sorry. Yeah, but it's fine. It just okay. means we're real people with real lives. Okay. <laughs> um, it, part of it is just because so many residents have now moved into the neighborhood that are concerned about the the the. Um, I guess intensification, like just or the men, so many new people coming into the neighborhood, because already the services that are here are not enough for the residents who live here, and so adding more people and literally it's another two hundred to three hundred units. Mm. You know, that's a lot more people. Um, yeah, that's in like the neighborhood. six, 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 seven fifty, seven fifty yeah. to a thousand people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and it's a hotel, so it's all that kind of. So, but you know what was really exciting was that that many people showed up at one of these kinds of meetings. So, uh, when we first started going through the process, going through, uh, you know, going to these meetings, hardly anybody showed up because there wasn't anybody living here in the South End. Um, it was all the North End residents who were coming together to to try to figure out how to make the South part of the neighborhood. Um, vibrant. And would you say that it is vibrant? I mean, I'm speaking as somebody who doesn't live in Toronto, which 
yeah. hopefully some of the people who um, are listening, listening. Aren't, fami yeah, aren't familiar with, you know, the development in that area. Well, I think, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's uh, the neighborhood is going to have, well, we're here, um, the Gladstone and the Drake Hotel, you know, while they're for-profit businesses also, uh, you know, have a lot of, of art and, um, and performance um, contained within their spaces. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of gallery spaces, which which I think are anchors. Um, certainly, Catherine Mulheron Gallery and um, Gallery West, which is uh, you know uh, in the neighborhood. Plus, there's the Artscape Triangle lofts, which are um, lofts uh, and housing for artists, spe specifically for artists. Mm -hmm with a gallery at the base and then the new Toronto Media Arts Cluster, which is about 40,000 square feet of space, which will have a cinema, two galleries and, and endless amounts of, of um, editing suites. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, at the heart of the whole community is this is this park that's a programmable park. Huh. So it has it's a lot of hard surface. It's, you know, and, and what's been incredible, actually, is just having the privilege to be a part of all of th this uh how do i say it uh, development like it's been kind of exciting to be a part of it and the visioning yeah of yeah. the visioning of the park and you know and and being a big part of like the toronto media arts cluster yeah um the decision to sort of help them sort of uh, be part of that be in that space and 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 certainly the artscape triangle lofts and it's it's great it feels like a vibrant community because there's a there's communication and people are talking and now what was so great about that Sudbury 99 Sudbury meeting was that all now so many of the residents who are living in the condos are uh engaged hmm. I like how um by what you're describing it sounds like engagement has become like cool you know yeah. what i mean like it's it's part of everyday life and people are acknowledging that that's part of what allows them to sculpt the neighborhood into something that fits their lifestyle or at least maintain um some kind of uh uh, uh what's the word i'm for uh influence mm -hmm. onto that um it strikes me i'm sorry i just have to do a little parent that parenthetical here um, Jacob, have you done introductions and everything? I haven't really done introductions. Well, so we should probably do that and tell people that they're listening to the SWS podcast with Jacob Zimmer and Adrian Wong and our special guest today, Franco Boni from the Theatre Centre. That's all. I just wanted That's to all. say that. Um, <laughs> That's true. But I have we, always, other... we, we, we intro the show always a little later than, than is traditional. Than we should. <laughs> But but Adrian, like your experience in 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 Vancouver, mm -hmm. I mean, I know you weren't around the waterfront community there, um, but would you say that that's a similar kind of activation now that that exists there, or is or is it more passive? I think that I mean one of the big um, development. Uh, yeah, let's use the word development projects in Vancouver, just as we were leaving was the Grandview Woodlands development. So that's basically everything I think from about Clark heading eastward um, towards Burnaby. And um, 
you know, so there's a big stretch of East Hastings there, uh, not the the problematic downtown part, but it's across the tracks and problematic in its own way. So there was a lot of community consultation happening in the past year and a lot of unhappy people. And I think that's partly because um, traditionally, like that Grandview Woodlands area, especially the commercial drive area, is populated by um, engaged lefties. So, you know, the, the hippies who've uh, matured and 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 got their jobs now and are raising families but also like are engaged in in civil civic politics or at, in, at least engaged in neighborhood um, activities so there there is a lot of conversation there's a lot of I know in terms of like the arts organizations and and talking with Heather Redford and the cult that there was a lot of desire to make like a a Grandview corridor of uh, of arts venues to kind of have this that that hub feeling or the synergy that happens when there's a lot of organizations in close proximity. So I think that's a lot of why when we were looking for a venue for PL fourteen twenty two, we were really looking inside of that area. Um, PL fourteen twenty two is a is a shared administration and rehearsal hub in East Vancouver. And we took about 18 months to look for space. And of course, the east side of Vancouver is slightly more uh, affordable than uh, the west side. And, you know, we looked at old community centers. We, you know, we could have built, bought a 150-year-old building for, I think it was $1.5 million. It was something like ridiculously cheap. It was... It was a huge building, but it's also 150 years old, and and the culture just undergone reno and discovered that no, it wasn't on a foundation. So we decided not to. <laughs> we decided not to open up that uh, box um, and to find something a little bit more recent. Um, but what I did want to say is that I I, I really get the sense that um, city planners and and city staff have a really, um, it seems like there's been a shift or, or a refinement of how uh, city staff engage with community to, uh, to make these development plans. So for instance, in Vancouver, there was a real focus on, for a while, like over five years, there was a focus on like, what kind of venues are needed? how do we help like how do we help artists access those venues what do artists actually need and so of course you know a series of consultation sessions and and (laughs) meetings which are great because people like say well this is what we need and um and so what the city came up with was uh one thing that they've come come up with is a, a concierge so there's one person that you can contact in the office of cultural affairs i believe who can help you navigate zoning or liquor licenses or whatever. So they're kind of an, a contact person or point person for all of the different departments. Um, so you don't have to go chase the, you know what it's like chasing the information, right? You call this guy and he tells you to call that person and that person yes. tells you. So it was having one person to be able to contact and would help navigate you through that system with the knowledge that a lot of the artists in Vancouver are, you know, are artists primarily and producers or administrators secondarily or out of necessity. And I thought that that was um, 
such a, a smart move on the part of the city and it does speak to the desire to work with the arts community uh, and to facilitate and and a value for what the artists bring to the communities in a just in a really practical way yeah that's great i've been dreaming of a similar role in toronto because it's i'm dealing with the city in terms of uh, a park for the summer show and it's uh, just bewildering at times and 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 i just wish like oh one person who i could talk with who could then help me translate is that is that concierge through culture or is it through planning oh i don't know that i can answer that question immediately it might be something that i'd have to post in our notes afterwards i can find out though but i mean to go back to your original question i think that there is well, there's always development going on in Vancouver. Like mm-hmm. there, there's always like, okay, now we're going to work on this part of the city, and and that's not unusual. That's not unique to Vancouver. The same thing is happening in Ottawa now with the um, the east. The it's always the east, isn't it? The east <laughs> part of Rideau, um, heading into Vanier. That there's this uh, discussion about you know reinvigoration, gen- gentrification. When you know, if you want to mm-hmm. use different word and it's like um a blast from the past you know like another community debate about uh safe injection sites being in this neighborhood and the mm-hmm. impact that that has so it's um i think i think that all of these discussions and and the vehemence and the passion that people bring to it are actually indications of a strong democracy of strong communities strong neighborhoods that people feel engaged and passionate about uh, about trying to sculpt the city into something that they like. I, I think I just mentioned it because I feel like, I mean, I, I've, I've lived in a condo before and um, and I felt that, I feel sometimes um, that really what it, people sign up for this idea of community and they like the idea of community, but not necessarily to be a participant. Mm. And I think I think that sometimes... Um, you know, it's a place to sleep. It's a place to to be private. It's a place to shut yourself in, um, and 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 do they? The big question is, you know, are they really interested and engaged uh, in in in? You know, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, what I yeah. find um, uh, what I find promising is that there were so many people that came out. And what I'm hoping happens is not uh, a not in my backyard kind of attitude, but an attitude where um, you know that that, that a, a participatory kind of discussion, an open discussion. Um, so often, you know, like everything, you know, the squeaky wheel always gets heard, and and it. Sometimes, I mean, I feel like my experience with being on an association um, called Active 18 has been really positive. It's, it's not been a, a NIMBY kind of attitude. It's been, it's been, um, you know, let's let's have a discussion about this. Let's let's really truly sit down, all parties involved, city planning, uh, developer, community, and let's discuss mm-hmm. um, because not one person 
has um, the the plan, right? Well, and cities are so complicated and yeah. so complex, and yeah. you know the flip side of that argument that you know in my experience of Vancouver is a lot of the condos are are not occupied because it's such a speculative market, right? Yes. And people are buying them as investments. So a lot of the the condominiums are not occupied by the owners. So of course, immediately you have less engagement from a tenant than you would from an owner. That's right. And, and then the other thing, and you see this in um, Gastown and the, and the downtown east side is there is, you know, a bunch of quote unquote cheaper condos that went up in those areas and kind of sold I think I think that some people I know who've bought them or through stories of friends of friends were kind of told that the city was cleaning up the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, and probably <laughs> falsely and and so there's a new generation of residents in that neighborhood who have an expectation of, of a certain kind of living experience that doesn't include all of the people who were living there before. <laughs> and so now there's a, a, a real uh, conflict between the gentrifying force and the resident force and who has the money and the uh, knowledge and comfort to navigate the system and who doesn't. So I think that that's, you know, Further, further development isn't "quote unquote" solving the problem of the downtown east side. I think it's just exacerbating it or or showing it to be showing the extent of it. Putting such wealth right next to such poverty just shows the gaps that we're engaged in. So that's the that's the flip side of things. Is that yeah, okay? All the new people come in, and then they're like, "Well, but we kind of were thinking this was going to turn into a neighborhood like that neighborhood." And that's right. And then you have all the people who are only interested in property value, yeah, um, and not that interested in, and they don't understand that 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 kind of cultural practice in the neighborhood actually is a great thing for property value. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's the length of their vision, right? Like they want to flip it in five years, ten years, twenty years. Yeah. It's going to give them a different perspective. And that's I one feel- of the struggles, I think, with. <clears throat> sorry, with um, community consultations in general is the length of a vision or what what are the problems? Like I think of St. Clair in Toronto, like the the streetcar tracks were so contentious to go in. It's a dedicated streetcar line. Mm-hmm. And so there were all these community consultations and a lot of them came with like, oh, if we put a stop on every block, then it's okay because of the parking but it was it it now three years out is like oh no that was the wrong decision like that was the the thing would function much better with less stops aren't they taking um, out a bunch of stops on uh, in, in maybe I, I i saw that and i did want to look up because it's it is true that you know on st Clair there's a stop every block and it's it slows down what's supposed to be a faster thing what did you, what did you think of um, of um, Desmond Tutu in uh, in Alberta this last this past weekend? And I've I have only seen the headlines. I haven't I haven't clicked on the headlines. So so I have you know the average internet's opinion about it. I mean, there's a really interesting 
potential in the i mean i you know i've been dreaming of the return of the religious left uh as just as a counterbalance not that i mm-hmm. you know want to join it but but that there there is there seems like there's some exciting potential in in the environmental movement and religion where the you know a lot of classic sort of stewardship environmentalism comes from a religious place and just to make in to make taking care of the planet not an ideological position where where it's like oh if you're right wing you want to destroy the planet and if you're left you want to hug it like that Mm. to to complicate it past that so that there are people of a sort of broad spectrum of other beliefs who also believe in um in taking care of and thinking about leaving tar sands in the ground do either of you own cars i don't drive i don't have a license i don't have a license i I don't have a license i don't have a license either (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) Um, Speaking of a diversity of views. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Ottawa is such a commuter town, right? People live mm-hmm. uh, so far away, in, partly in, in search of the, um, the space ideal that we talked about earlier. So, uh, I mean, to stop developments like the tar sands means we have to change our lifestyles, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's, that's the hard sell. I don't know that anybody really conscious. I don't know how many people consciously think about that. Like it means giving up my car. Um, it means not eating kiwis five, 365 days of the year. Like there's a real. Uh, yeah. Just, well, and, and not flying. Not flying. Everywhere. Like, I mean, what it would do to the, you know, the theater touring market in Canada is entirely based around flying and or if you do then it's more than just um, the show that you yeah that it's it's for other purposes as well that it's beyond just you know the three performances that you have and then yeah. off you go mm-hmm. I've gotten into this thing of, of being you know saying I'm not so interested in touring but I like the idea of traveling somewhere like that that difference seems really pressing to me about like yeah the three days where i'm going between the hotel room and the theater um doesn't doesn't make sense to me in a whole bunch of sustainability reasons like but frankly you have a whole bunch of people who are traveling hanging out in your building (laughs) can you talk a little bit about the tracy raid archive like what was the because that because this is this is free fall right like this is a the thing that you're doing instead. So, instead. Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, I think Freefall, um, the festival, just didn't make much sense for us to do any longer. We had sort of accomplished what we needed to do, which was um, for, you know, for the moment that at that time, like when it started, when David Duclos and Stephen O'Connell sort of put it together, um, I think it was 2002. Uh, I was not the theater center at that time, but there, there weren't a lot of, of small-scale independent companies traveling with their work in Toronto, at least not landing in Toronto. So, you know, we were able to sort of premiere the work of uh, Marcel Houdon from Quebec and 
um, and Atza and uh, Boca de Lupo and Theater Replacement. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of this. Was, I mean, Radix, uh, you know, these companies weren't in uh, traveling at that point or touring with their work. And and now that exists, you know, that network exists. And I, f I felt like what was the point of, of, of um, you know, we had, we, it had served its purpose, you know. And, and um, so I think for me the next step was, you know, what does it mean to, to, um, to have a residency in, in a city um, armed with a question that, um, takes you to some some strange, beautiful places um, that then you can come back and share with our community, Toronto community, some of what you've learned about about that question. And if that if that um, inspires or um, in some way uh, is a catalyst for a new idea for a work, then terrific. But if not, if it's just about you know. Um, uh, an opportunity, an, an opportunity for enrichment. Then that's wonderful as well, because I feel like, for, for me, um, it, it goes it goes to the heart of like you know when we were talking about you know planning, cultural planning, um, and the importance of a, a cultural institution within a neighborhood. I feel like it's not just for the presentation of art, it's for the exchange of ideas, but not just cultural, specific to cultural, but it could be, um, you know, what we have here, which is like, uh, you know, food and, uh, and or, you know, someone like Alana Mitchell, who um, is a journalist who, who wrote a book about um, the, cri the global crisis, the global crisis in the ocean, or, uh, a neurologist like Savendrini uh, Lena, who works at CAMH, who is a neurologist, who is going to be teaching her um, U of T uh, um, uh, uh, you know, science class at the theater center. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are these buildings for? Um, and it's the, the answer is more than just theater especially if we as artists want to be participant in conversations that are larger than just theater. And I feel that we do. And I feel that we have a lot to contribute to those conversations, but we're never really asked to be part of it. You know, when was the last time you saw an artist lead a conversation about city planning or an artist lead a conversation about you know, I, I don't know, or at least even be at the table for these mm -hmm. conversations. It's very, you know, it's rare. And so I think that these institutions, these institutions that can um, support this kind of dialogue are ultimately, um, I think, what make a community healthy. So the Tracy Wright Global Archive is an extension of that because it, it's not to, to, to well, it is... It, it is to share the experience of the world through an artist's perspective and viewpoint that um, we have such, like I, I feel anyway, like we have such a privilege because we get to travel so many places as artists 
we get to go to all these places and conferences and and most people don't like most people have nine to five job and you know the time when they travel is the time that they go away with their family or um and we don't we just have we have this incredible uh privilege and i feel that what are we doing with that you know and that that was the big question for me like what are we doing with that privilege are we just traveling to these conferences to talk to each other about you know the practice um how are we engaging the communities that live in these places? Are we? Uh, do we have a responsibility to? Um, you know, even this conversation, I love this idea of concierge, you know, which I'm going to take back to the person that my contact in, in City of Toronto planning and say, hey, maybe this is an idea that happens in Vancouver. Maybe, you know, this is so it's points, you know, it's I don't know. I'm not being clear now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's totally clear. I think it's clear and really exciting to me. I mean, I think that 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 sort of question of making work in and of the world um, is is. I mean, we've talked about it in in previous things, my previous episodes. My my desire for and and interest in that, and that it's not something that the theater buildings have largely been good at at the moment like that they don't seem like places that people go for a variety of reasons like you go you enter a building because it's there's a show that you're going to see and then you're going yeah. to leave and the most and the most successful and interesting sort of art spaces for me have been places where even if it's largely within the arts community that's act, you know the kyber center for the arts in in halifax was just a community center for the sort of young artist of Halifax. And that was a really helpful place. And it was a place where when, when big news stories happened, like everybody would start showing up there and, and there was a, a difference in who used the space. And that, that stuff really does excite me differently than thinking about just, just a theater that, that we come in at at 7:45 and leave at at 9:45 and hopefully get a drink if your license goes through. Yay. <laughs> what what that makes me think of Franco is um yeah. uh is separate from PL1422 is the kind of ad hoc group the Progress Lab which is, you know, the creation-based companies in Vancouver is all kind of headed up. And uh the way that meetings used to happen is people would throw parties and mm-hmm. and everybody would show up with a bottle and some food and and you know they go all night and and we had hot topics and all these conversations were happening and there was a hot bed and things came out of it like hive and obstructions and and of course then as soon as there's like activity there the question was like well how do i get involved in progress lab you know that was coming mm-hmm. from other practitioners in the community and the answer was always throw a party <laughs> so it's not a, and and the reason I like that is that it says, look, if you if you want to be part of the group, you can try and, and enter the group or you can invite people to your house. 
and and have that conversation start to happen at your house and show and be the first to show hospitality. And I think it turns the table from what can feel like a a, vic, a place of victimhood or a place of powerlessness of like how do I get into this? How do I get into the conversations about city planning, and 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 send a strong message out to the rest of your community that says like. I'm here, I'm interested in this, and I want to talk to you guys about it. And I like that as an approach, kind of in, I like that as an approach because it empowers people uh, rather than, and and focuses on inclusion rather than uh, the feeling of being excluded. Mm. So that's all, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. What is the the singing that is? Oh, you can hear that. Okay, so Franco. that is Jenny Lausanne. She um, she went to the uh, Mojave Desert to this giant rock, which is the largest boulder on land, um, and it was a sacred place. Uh, it was a place of prayers, a place, um, but it also over the last couple of hundred years was a had been a sacred place for many different people, including people who were um, people, people who were um, going there to for a, for alien uh, sightings. There's like an a, alien. Um, anyway, so they had created this uh, this beautiful uh, structure called the Integratron, which you could go, which was this beautiful. Uh, acoustically perfect space and um, it's hard for me to describe um, and so uh, Jenny uh, went there recently her question actually was is a site that has been desecrated still hold um, a sacred is it still sacred if it's been desecrated mm-hmm. and uh, because now the, the boulder is full of graffiti and it's a lot of people who ride in the dunes, in the sand dunes there, and it's it's not a respected site at all. Um, but it's but it's still a sacred site. And so she went into the Integratron and which of this rare opportunity to go in and record. And so the piece is um, the piece that's the singing is her singing from inside the Integratron. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's quite a yeah, it's quite a great journey for her actually. So yeah, I mean that's um, you know it's what's kind of wonderful, uh, but also a bit terrifying is that everyone has really stepped up. All of the artists who went on these journeys have stepped up. I mean, I, I, the only language I used, and I said to them, is that you know the the only thing that I want you to do is come back, and I just want you to share um, with our audience something that you've learned, and that could be in the form of photographs or you know, a talk or an informal talk. It could be uh, a meal. It could be whatever. Um, and everyone just seems to um, be focused on performance. <laughs> mm. So it's really um, intense, you know, um, but it's great. It's, it means that uh, that each, each of them are thinking uh, and are using their experience to as a catalyst for another work. So it's a stepping um, stone for a, a new piece for them. Which is exciting. It's great. I mean, it's a it's a exciting, and if if even unexpected, uh, yeah. commissioning program as a way to. Well, we're going to do it next year again. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we'll just we'll keep doing it, you know. And I think it'll be a, 
one of those, um, I, I hope anyways, one of those really exciting opportunities that lots of people want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I had this idea for, um, for New World, which was rejected and that's okay. But um, to take... <laughs> to take the you know the money that we would put towards programming and and putting shows up for one yeah. year and to use that money to travel mm. and just to spend whatever time you would spend in the studio or on stage or wherever and spend a year like traveling going to these places um, and and actually making meaningful connections inside of communities so staying places for longer periods of time yeah, which you know isn't super feasible if you have a family or <laughs> yeah <laughs> want to stay with your partner or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, but it it really came out of a place of wanting to, you know, because we talked so much about uh, navigating otherness or navigating the space between who you know and who you don't know, and how do we get into this the social circles that we don't normally go into how do you how do you become the stranger uh and and enter a place of of the unknown of otherness that's um that's real like really real mm -hmm. uh, and and so that's where that idea came out of was like okay well the extreme of that would be to move somewhere yes so you don't know anybody and to and to be a to be a foreigner to be that person and you know, be selective about where you're going, depending on the themes or, or content that's of interest to you. Um, which I feel like I've gotten a tiny little bit of a taste of here in in our oh, nation's well. capital. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, obviously it's not completely foreign, but it is a different. It is a. It's different. It's a different mm -hmm. kind of place, and it in in subtle ways and in less subtle ways. Uh, and also moving into the territory of parenthood, which is, right. you know, it seems like one of those things when you, when I talk about it, which I could at a length, which I won't. But um, <laughs> it feels like one of those things that could, feels really self-indulgent or something, but I find it so fascinating in terms of neurological development or behavioral or, you know, interpersonal relationships and all of those and the way in which it, um, and all of all of those experiences, in some way, for the artists, are, are about exposing the thing. What is it? Nathan says that we're in the business of feeling things. We're in the business of feeling things, and then, like you said, Franco, relating those feelings, relating those impressions to others, with the kind of assumption or hope that the, that other people will be able to relate or learn from them too. I have no point. No, That's no, you didn't. No, no. <laughs> well, and you made I was, it. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah. I was talking to to Veda Hilly the other day, and she was saying how um, we we're talking about motherhood, and and there's kind of this point where, for me at least, where I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I don't feel like acting because it's just too much work. I act all day, and the last thing I want to do is more. Um, and there's a re I feel the resistance to write or or create work about my experience as a mother, and she talked about having a similar experience and talking to a her 
a friend or and that person saying, oh, so you're buying into the patriarchal notion that a mother's experience is boring, which is a huge windows mm -hmm. suddenly opening up uh, into creative practice for me of like, right, this isn't, um, the idea of boring is not uh, a universal, that it's socially determined like anything else. Hmm. Man, does it ever irritate me that people think that uh, there's no need for feminism anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's done. Is everybody equal you know, now? 70s. Can we move on to other things? Yeah. Oh, it really bothers me right now, some of the discussions that are happening, that those still have to happen? Really? It's still, yeah, that still have to happen. That's the frustrating part. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's so much to do. There's so much to do in terms of our cities, in terms of our, our relationships with others. That's, uh, that's the thing that can be paralyzing. So it's always great and reassuring to talk to somebody who's, you know, working on a different, of making the world better in a different area than I am. Uh, go like, okay, good, that bar's covered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't have to do. I don't have to do everything. Exactly. Yeah. Doing everything is hard. <laughs> um, Jacob, one of the reasons uh, I remember when we were uh, when we were jamming for names and of guests for the SWS podcast, which is what you're listening to right now, um, one of the reasons you talked about wanting to invite Franco was this idea of leadership too. And so I, I have kind of like a, as it happens, interviewee kind of question to ask you, Franco, <laughs> which is like, what, um, well, the question I actually want to ask is like, have you always considered yourself a leader? And if not, when did it occur to you that you were? <laughs> oh, man. Um. <laughs> you can, you can take a pause if you like. I we can I'm, edit it out later. Oh my god, I think I might have to with that one. Um, uh, I guess I always considered myself a listener. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't... Um, I don't... I hadn't thought about it a, a lot at all until really... Um, you know, about four months ago or leading up to the opening and and thinking about um, the the enormous contribution that this building is going to have in, you know, for the community. Um, and I don't know, I never really, I just, I don't know how to answer that other than I think I just, um, I just love what I do so much. Mm. So I don't really think about it. I just do it. Just try to ask the right questions and then try to listen and try to respond as best I can and try to be as permissive as possible. Um, and, um, you know, it was interesting because we've, the first um, month or so, we all found ourselves saying no a lot um, mm. because there's this knee-jerk reaction that happens when you you have to protect something you know like you have to protect the um the building as if you know it was gonna be hurt uh, for overuse i mean there is a sense that you know you have to protect the staff and the people who are working here and you have to respect their time and their the you know and um 
the, the resources that you have and you have to work within those, but, uh, or at least know when to push, um, and know when to back off. And I, I feel like the first couple of months, cause we're just trying to figure out how this place works and what the rhythm of the place is. It's a lot of no. Hmm. And, um, it was one day that I just thought, oh my God, you know, you just hear yourself going, no, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And so finally it's, um, we're back to a place where I think, you know, we were for a long time, which is, yeah, sure. Let's try to make that happen. Um, and if we can't, then, you know, um, you know, why, why not? Um, and you know, I mean, obviously you can't make everything happen. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do everything. You don't want to please everyone. I mean, that's not the point of the place. Um, but, um, certainly we need to, yeah, we just need, we just need to be, we need to be open and not so, um, uh, you know, you have to preach what you, sorry, you have to follow what you preach, you know, in a way, um, I hate to use religious language, but but it's true I mean it's not answering your question really but um, one of the things sorry. that I remember Franco during the process um, you guys had this you had a fundraiser uh, who was helping helping you and I mean I've certainly noticed a change whether it's just comfort level in your sort of being able to talk about the building um you know not not to say that you you were a more nervous speaker before yeah i remember um and and so maybe it, some of my wanting that that point or thinking about that was what that process was like to get used to the conversations and the kind of approach and kind of leadership when when you're going into the the rooms where you're trying to get this building done and and what that change was was there was there a change for you um well yeah most definitely i mean i think that for me i don't come i don't come from a place of privilege um i mean uh, you know anyway that's a loaded um statement i understand um but uh but certainly let me just say economic uh, privilege yeah and so uh i feel it's very difficult for me to ask for money it's been it has been uh, in the past and i feel it still is jay stills that sort of still is uh, one of the hardest parts of of the job but i believe in what we're doing so much that that's where it shifted for me. Um, I believe in what what this place um, can do and has done uh, for artists, um, and it's, it could be a, it, it's you know I think it's a place of learning, a place uh, for testing and trying out ideas, and that in in a in an environment that um, allows um, f- for difference and and otherness, as you were saying, Adrian. I think that. Uh, to, you know, these, even just this traveling around um, the Tracy Wright Global Archive is sort of t- 
takes us outside of what a normal theater might do or working with Darren. And even though Darren, you know, Darren is one of the most, I think one of the most important artists in Canada, you know, making theater, um, you know, it's still, it's still risky to commission a work from, for, from Darren and, and, and young artists. Mm. And the f- fact that they took over the entire space and made a show that was, in my opinion, really relevant to the city, but also resonated f- for us, um, it was, you know, was just was absolute joy. Or, you know, taking, taking a, a journalist who had never performed before um, to make a um, to, to write a play about you know, the the the, cri- the global crisis in the ocean, and to to, to turn to turn that into a, a performance, a theatrical performance, was was precisely the kind of thing that we should be doing. But you know, the the, the what was really upsetting was that you know most people, almost a lot of what the critics. Um, said was that it was a lecture, you know, mm. but you should see it anyway, but it's a lecture. Um, and it wasn't until this, this, this woman who I'm really going off topic here, sorry, wasn't, um, wasn't until this, this woman, uh, who wrote an article in the States, she wrote a blog post actually, that started talking about how, you know, in the arts, we're so specialized, you know, we're specialized here or even in, in life and we're, we're all so specialized um, and we need to be less specialized because the, 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 the problems we need to solve require us having broader knowledge. Um, and, and I think that that was, that's also part of my thinking and feeling of like, you know, what else do, what else, how else do artists get inserted in these conversations? Um, that we don't normally or necessarily get asked to be at the table. And climate change is one of them, you know. Um, So, but, you know, then when when we do go there, we end up, um, our own community um, begins to say, well, this, this doesn't fit into our box. Yeah. And, and, um, that's, that's upsetting. It's, you know what, I find it frustrating because I feel like the, the, as practitioners sometimes, I mean, we all want to balance between form and theme and content and all that stuff. But sometimes when I feel like there's a, a, overemphasis on form or convention or how is this theater is it not theater like answering that question as opposed to what is the idea that this is bringing forward so it's like we're all comparing tools or chisels or who can draw the straightest line but what we actually should be talking about are the ideas that are being communicated and are they being communicated and and is it theater? Well, it's happening in a theater. So can we just like skip over that question yeah. and get down to what? What's is, the idea? What's the idea, and what's the proposition here? The proposition is is lar- is actually larger, and and I think that there's. I mean, 
I'm coming from the point of view of somebody whose work is is more than once been said, well, that's not theater. That's not eligible for our theater awards because it's not theater. (laughs) Um, Even though I work for a theater company and it's produced by a theater company and I identify as a theater artist, it's not considered theater. So I state my bias. Um, But I think that that's really problematic for inside of our community. I think that that's one of the things that keeps theater as a marginalized art form because it, there's this kind of Quebecois sense of purity about it, if I may, um, that, that, that keeps us in whatever pre postmodern times. Like the, the, the theater is not, developing and changing and taking advantage of the the permeability and the the huge amount of information that's out there and the huge amount of technology and the creative people who are out there uh it's it's just you know questions of professionalism and yeah are are hamstringing us from engaging in really important discussions yeah that have to do with our world I'm glad you agree. <laughs> no, I I mean I just it's so frustrating because it you know it hap- it's 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 over and over again, you know, you see you see you see that come up and I just um yeah, and it 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 was uh it was shocking to me actually. I thought there would be more uh openness to to it, but there isn't. And I that's 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 part that's part of why I feel like uh, you know why um, the neurologist from CAMH is going to be a really important part of what we do and sort of um, curating discussions. The first one that we're going to do is is on the brain, mm. and 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 I think that that will be be great to sort of continue to have these discussions to say that artists we do have something to say and do have something to offer um, in these issues that you know. You, we're not here just to, you know, to put on the play or for entertainment, but that, that it's that it, these are bigger social questions and issues that we we need to be at the table uh, for, because and to be at the table to listen to. Yeah, I mean, even more than than feeling like oh, I have something to say about neurology, mm-hmm. is that no matter even if I'm not saying anything about neurology, I may be a better artist because i've listened to the neurologist yeah like it's not it's not even to go and say well i think the brain based on my (laughs) based on my you know like i i can have say like oh that's interesting the thing you said connects to how i talk about improv this way but but there is a sense where what's most frustrating about that sort of lack of curiosity Uh about what's possible inside the room um, and caring about whether something's a lecture or theater or whatever um, is is that it speaks to a lack of curiosity and a lack of interest outside of the form. And I think that's that that I struggle with watching shows where I'm, where the curiosity hasn't sort of gone outside the the personal experience, like the that that you know that the both that show the seasick and and the mammalian show um which i loved was an amazing experience who cares what it was um 
those things were were people both being curious about themselves as humans and their own experience but also involved in thinking about the world and thinking about what what form of event would most would make most sense and that curiosity is really exciting to me and 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 seems like the thing to encourage the these sort of oh these are the appropriate topics for plays and this is this is how you know well instead of having her do the lecture were you supposed to you know cast somebody as her yeah. and then you could create <laughs> scenes where she met somebody and she's going to go to the submarine and then you know they sat on some drama cubes right. and acted like they were a submarine and <laughs> looked at the window and then there were some projections yeah. of submarines yeah. well if it has drama um, cubes it's definitely theater <laughs> um you know that 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 thing of like oh no you should have written a play about her it's like no why would you do that mm-hmm. <laughs> um to me i that you know it it's it's much more interesting that it's that it's that we meet her ambiguous or that you you're moving back and forth between the lines of what's the degree of performance that you need her um that that her interest her excitement her curiosity and feelings uh in that sense of nathan's quote about we do things you know we feel we feel or are are we attend i might use attend because it's less i don't know um we attend to the world and then we try to share that attention uh that that excitement is much better from her and i understand why she cares about it and all that seems much more present to me and in a way that I find missing so often in in theater where you're staging like a play in which a bunch of different characters have different views about some political issue and then are talking about it I I just get very confused Mm -hmm. about about that as as something that leads then to real engagement from an audience who can who can see themselves in it it goes back to that, that idea of specialization right that we mm-hmm. we just sort of fall into into these in into the into these silos and it's very difficult for us to understand uh, uh, anyway I, well, now I'm being uh, I actually, I'm gonna send you that um, I'm going to send you that um, blog post that that woman wrote from the States. She's from Boston. And it's so brilliant. It was like, it was like the, um, the, the assessment that I really craved for um, during the run of the, of the piece. Mm. I, go, I just got an email, too, this morning from, from um, Darren, um, from one of the um, uh, reviewers who, the bloggers who was there at the show, um, and it's a, it's really funny. Here's a like it's it's like a perfect example. I mean, and, and not that it says uh, we've had a couple of interesting reviews um, that are funny. In that the writer assumes that what you see is what you get. For example, she took issue with Chosen's comments. Chosen is one of the young performers about hobos not understanding that he was playing a character who held those views views identical to Carnegie's. So again, there's just like a, just not a, a connection. Um, not enough work is being done by the people who are professing to be 
um, uh, I don't know, opinion makers or leaders um, or in, in our community. And I guess that's what, I think that's what frustrates me the most. Too many conclusions drawn, not enough questions asked. No. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and and this and a fairly closed understanding of what the role, what their role is, what the role of of the art form might be, and yeah, it's it's, it's lazy journalism. It's yeah, yeah, it's just lazy. And so that's that's what frustrates me the most. And it is the hopes behind this, um, behind, as I understand it, a bunch of the Spiderweb show stuff, that 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 these conversations, we, I mean, I I think we're in a time where we just need to do them. I mean, we can think. Oh yeah, we have to uh, we have to throw the party. Touching our hopes for survival on the survival of the newspaper industry. Uh, is not a great idea no. and and so trying to figure out how we can help or even sort of provide the first stages of of that becoming of there being something else that some other public discussion that that includes works of performance and works of art that we, we can't wait for that to happen from somebody else. Well, and I think that for me uh, brings us right back to very, like the beginning of our conversation in terms of what is the role of a performing arts venue or an institution like, like um, that we have all across the country, really. What is the role of, that they play within their community? How do, does the leadership in that institution get involved in city planning, um, get involved in politics? I mean, obviously, you know, or at how do they empower the citizens that live within the neighborhood and make them feel that, um, you know, there's there's ownership that they're that they have a voice within, you know, uh, all of those. How are they included in in that in the in in that institution? I think is really key. I mean, and and instead of sort of closing our doors and saying come to us, um, you know, we just have to change change your attitude it's the attitude shift that has to has to happen and i think that has everything to do with this specialization that Mm. we've um we've been sort of focused on for the last i don't know i don't know how many years (laughs) many yeah many um i i think that has to be the last word because i'm looking at the time thank you Thank you so Thanks, much, Franco. Franco. Uh, so people can find online. Uh, we'll make we'll make show notes. We've referred to them, Franco. If you can send us that, the link to that blog post. Oh, sure. Um, we'll put all of that stuff in show notes. And show notes you can find those at smallwoodenshoe.org/slash SWS podcast. We'll have the notes. Or Adrian at spiderwebshow.ca click on experiments and podcasts and follow the links um we are available on itunes tell your friends even even rate us that's scary but it, if if you like us you can speaking <laughs> <Judge> of <laughs> speaking of the power of reviews uh, yeah, review five us. stars I'd read five stars are, are great great Thanks. thank you so much Franco. thanks you guys thank have you. a great afternoon bye thank you bye bye